Lewis. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. Welcome to another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life. Alan, how are you feeling today, my brother? Not too bad, not too bad. So I think this is a BRL first. Both me and Alan got to see this artist live at the Jazz Cafe in London um, last Thursday. And this guy was just too sick, man. He was just unreal. But before we go into detail about the fire that is Marlon Craft... I just, and, and you know, start breaking down his bars and do what we usually do. I just want to do a couple of shout outs. First off, shout out to your boy SC for coming along and Nathan Locke. They came and made the event even better than what it was. That was like good company, good vibes, good laugh, good energy. That was sick. Second shout out. I want to shout out Mo, Mo Muncy, who I got a chance to meet in person. He's a sports commentator and pundit for Sky Sports on my favorite sport that is basketball. And he's sick. He talks about defensive sets, offensive X and O's, and he's just generally an entertaining character. So for me, it was awesome to see more and more British Asian representation on TV, more specifically for sports coverage for me, because, you know, I'm a massive sports fan. So shout out to you, Mo. You're a sick guy. You left a great impression on me, bro. So, well, like, you know, appreciate it. Appreciate you just being calm and just chatting to me, bro. Next. And I think these are the final ones, final two. Even though all of Marlon's band were amazing, I have to, have to give a mad shout out to firstly, Elliot on the keys, he was sick, and Dave on the sax. Fucking hell. Dave on the sax. Dave Dave on the sax was sick, bruv. He was madness. And he got the crowd going. So it was just incredible. Back to Marlon. So Marlon was just incredible. He's touring right now for his album, the While We're Here tour, his album called While We're Here. Before his performance, I was lucky enough to meet him in person. And what an incredible dude. He was just bare chill. Didn't rush me at all. Just chatting, like, just like you would chat to a normal person. Like, nothing, no no eccentric, no vibes of, like, arrogancy or anything, yeah? And he actually told me that he signed, he was signing for me for the first time his first pressed 
vinyl mixtape of the craft volume one so i kind of feel honored about that i've got i've got the first signed one by him like i'm sure people have bought them before but the first one he signed was with me so that's that's like going down in history and i feel very honored about that sorry alan i know this is a bit usually like a bit longer for me than usual but i am just so hyped after thursday that i just had to say all of that why did i pick this track this week because I think it's the track of the album that lends itself to the format of Bars, Rhymes and Life the most. I mean, the album is so good and there was a lot to pick from. Wrong in Heaven, Pay Me in Time, World Champ. They're all ones that come to mind off the top of my head. But the bars in this track, Alan. The bars in this track, Alan. Mate, different. Just absolutely different. Thoughts from you, bro? Yeah, pretty much agree on everything you said. Like, I... The first time I listened to this album was on the train when I was coming down to, to meet you guys and go to the gig. Obviously, we d- did uh, the track, listened to my album on a previous episode. We both loved that. And then I kind of forgot that we'd booked tickets to the gig until like the day before when you reminded me. I was like, oh, yeah. So I'm on the train listening to the album and just immediately the vibes. It's such a such a nice sounding album. The, the Jazz Cafe is a perfect venue for, for him as an artist, I think, and it was just it was great to see him. He seemed, like you said, such a cool guy, happy to be there and, and sharing his music with us. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome awesome experience. And I've been to gigs at the Jazz Cafe before. I saw B. Dolan and Sage Francis there. And like you said, similarly got a chance to meet them. And it's, just, it's such a great vibe when you go to gigs at venues like that and you get to actually have kind of an interaction with the artist in a way that you wouldn't necessarily at like an O2 arena or something like that. Yeah, always memorable. And as for this track, like you said, it's just perfect for this this pod. There were there were a couple of standout tracks for me. Something wrong in heaven, like you said, was just was super relatable for me. But this one equally so. So yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait to start, bro. Who's up first? You're up. In the end, you think a lot about the beginning. So I'm pondering my youth, but I'm not about to give in. If youth is wasted on the young, I'm wondering, like, yo, is life wasted on the living? Think a lot about the beginning, so I'm pondering my youth, but I'm not about to give in. If youth's wasted on the young, I'm wondering, like, yo, is life wasted on the living? Semi snapped there on the end. Talk about going deep right at the start of a track, bro. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> what an incredible, relatable set of lines. It's true of anything. When you leave school on your prom night, you think about all the stupid shit that you got up to in the years before and the year year before that. When I finally got my degree at uni and you're en route to graduation day and you think about all the good and bad that you've been through that four, those four years to, to get my master's. And in some respects, when we get close to the end of our lives, all there is left for you to do is just reflect on years and years worth of accumulated experiences that you've experienced in your life. So I think about and on the following two lines. So I'm pondering my youth, but I'm not about to give in. If youth is wasted on the young, I'm wondering like, yo, is life wasted on the living? I think at least what I'm taking from these bars is that Marlon is questioning if he made the most of those earlier years of his life, like many of us do. Personally, for me, I question my like A-level years. I had like so much going on. I've always feel like, did I apply myself enough? You know, did I spread myself too thin? I was studying, playing football, playing basketball, playing cricket, I had a girlfriend and doing all the stuff that you do with family. 
and messing around with you guys as friends like did i did i not apply myself enough did i not focus enough on what was important like i feel like i'm already learning and already applying from the first three lines of this track which is abby just be more present bro just acknowledge that these real moments and these real experiences like the one we got to share with marlon on thursday so that when it comes to an end and i think about the beginning i can think about the beginning with a smile on my face and not feel like my life was just wasted on just living it's funny so it's so subjective because when you said that you know did i work hard enough at school and i think back and i remember thinking oh, abby's just like the most hard-working dude i know because I know me and me and our boy SC would be out like messing about doing stupid shit, and then a lot of the times you would be back studying, and because you were just on it. And it's funny that to you, you're thinking, "Ah, oh, was I studying hard enough?" It's just so subjective, isn't it? Mad, bro. It's true. Yeah, I, I snapped you on the the line: "Youth wasted on the young, it's life wasted on the living." It made me think of what we talked about in the last episode, saying about the ultimate catch twenty two about being afraid of nothing but nothingness. And and the catch twenty two that is you can only fear non existence when you exist. So if you could stop the fear by not existing, but in order to do that, you you would have to face the very thing that you fear, non existence. It's just completely impossible. And if you spend a lot of time thinking about stuff like that, it might be fair to say that like like your life is wasted. Like you're wasting your life. You're not living it. It reminds me of a line from Full Metal Jacket. He says, the dead know only one thing. It's better to be alive. Jeez. It, it, it's it's just true, you know, that the saying that you wasted your youth is it's sort of part nostalgia and it's part hindsight. But you can make up for it if you feel like you need to. You can't make up for a wasted life. Do you know what I mean? Like, you haven't got the time. So, yeah, do do what you need to do. Mad deep on the first set of lines, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> you're up again i'd like to think i'll get to do a lot we behind the eight ball but we don't get the cues a lot that existential dread makes me hit the snooze a lot i'd like to think i'll get to do a lot we behind the eight ball but we don't get the cues a lot that existential dread makes me hit the snooze a lot bars and alan just to give you that that metric the good old metric that i use with regards to bars i held s for about 15 seconds nice i I think this might be my favorite bar of the track. Just incredible, incredible imagery and wordplay here. Visually specific and yet sonically abstract. And I just wanted to share my visualization of this set of lines. Being behind the eight ball is essentially being at the end of the game, of life, so to speak. Because once you pot the black ball, the game ends in pool, right? But in between the start and the beginning, there are all these other balls that have to be potted or essentially completed or defeated in some way in order to progress to the end of the game. And each ball can represent so many things. Like one ball can be might be education, another might be poverty, parenthood, mental health, physical health. But so much of the time, as the eight ball, you have no idea how those things are going to play out and what position you may be in when it comes to the end. You'd be surprised at how much little control you have all over these things, all these functions of life that I've mentioned. Financially, you have no control whether you're going to be born into poverty or not. And that's the difference between having a straight shot or a really difficult one, you know, where the ball's against the cushion and it's like, shit, how am I going to get that in? It's a difficult position to be in. Because we don't get the cues a lot. 
And you have to realize how sick Marlon is being here with his bars because the word cues is actually being used as a double entendre. The obvious one being the actual pool cue representing the people of power that push and dictate our day-to-day lives. But the other being the visual cues that we are either blind to or simply just don't understand to leave us sitting in ignorance. And you know what Cole said about ignorance, right? Ignorance is bliss and innocent is just ignorance before it's introduced to currency and clip. Ignorance is bliss and innocence is just ignorance before it's introduced to currency and clips. The realization of that powerlessness for some, called the existential dread, can definitely make you feel the snooze a lot and make you just want to give up and say fuck it. So I just think, bars, what an incredible bar, bro. I've never heard anything like it. Yeah, it's so true. And it's like that idea that you might miss out on opportunities like that there's there's something that you might have been able to do that you didn't do there was a chance for you to to you know sink the black as it were but you just didn't do it for some reason perhaps because you decided to sleep in because it was all too much that morning and that's just so relatable i almost highlighted this rhyme and i didn't but I, you know what I was like at school, the amount of days I would hit snooze and just not come into school. And I won't put it all down to existential dread, but it's definitely some of it. It's, it's super relatable. Yeah. Facts, man. Absolute facts. Who's next? You're up again. I'm about more than I'm saying, I swear. Nowadays, they got more just to say about my hair. Can't deny that aesthetics was my biggest barrier. We always look before we hear. I'm about more than I'm saying, I swear. Nowadays they got more just to say about my hair. Can't deny that aesthetics was my biggest barrier. We always look before we hear. It's interesting that for most people being part of the BAME community, to achieve a certain level of success in many fields, it's always harder than if you're Caucasian. Just as hard as a Caucasian trying to be a rapper. So he's not wrong when he's saying that aesthetics is his biggest barrier because M set the bar so high, Alan. Eminem set the bar so high that it's amazing to see Marlon has been on sway. Uh, the fact that Havoc, before he passed, had given Marlon his validation and said that I think Marlon's an incredible artist and that, you know, Marlon's actually found his lane. Another clever one with regards to this bar is the use of hair, the word hair, like, i.e. the hair on his head and hair as in listening to. His last line, we always look before we hair, compounds the second line about the fact that they see his hair grow long now because before he used to have it short. And they talk about that rather than the quality of music. Therefore, we always look before we hair. Bars. Yeah, it's nice. And it's also just the kind of the the snap judgments that we make on people. Like you look at someone and you think you know them from looking at them, but how can you? Facts, bro. Absolute facts. Who's next? I'm up. White people of this planet always took before we feared and we fabricate more reasons to be shook and to be scared. White people of this planet always took before we feared and we fabricate more reasons to be shook and to be scared. I just think there's so much truth in this. Fear can be so intoxicating that we almost seek it out. It's the reason why you see these media outlets using fear for like clickbait with their kind of eye-catching headlines so these people are going to do this to you this awful thing's going to happen it works because if you can create a fear of something then you can offer a solution for it whether it's real or not so you say our oh, oh, immigrants are going to destroy the country but if you vote for me i'll protect you you create the fear and then you solve the problem or you know you publish a youtube video with like all caps title 
is the government lying to you about vaccines? Question mark. Watch my ad supported content to find out. Like it doesn't matter how accurate it is or how realistic it gets the job done. You've got the click, you've got the vote. It, it does what you intended to do. And it's just, it's a shame that, that there's some aspect of like human nature that fear works so well on us and people exploit that. I always just try to be just a little bit wary of anyone who's, whose primary method of persuasion is fear. If that's the, if that's the way you're trying to tell me your story, I'm a little bit skeptical, but yeah, it's just a, a great bar and, and shows a lot of wisdom. I think. Facts, bro. Absolute facts. Who's next? You're up. Could we just repair? Humans did this. We can undo it. But I don't think we really want to. And the clock's winding down. And to be honest, it's t- it'd be tough to before the shit is uninhabitable. But we must do it. It being try. But it seems to us music is a symphony of lies. Could we just repair? Humans did this. We could undo it. But I don't really think that we want to And the clock winding down And to be honest it'd be tough to Before this shit is uninhabitable But we must do it It being tried But it seemed to us music is a symphony of lies Ah nice I snapped you on like half of that I wanted to split the this set of lines out But I thought it would save time And give the listeners uh, get a chance to listen to more of Marlon than me this way. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I thought I'd do it just all in one big bag. Uh, could we just repair? Humans did this. We can undo it. But I don't really think that we want to. So in in respect to Marlon's point of view and these bars, I think Marlon's attributing these bars to climate change here in these first three lines. But these lines really hit me, bro. They really, really hit me. These li- These three lines pretty much define for me, the root of all universal conflict. Like, what person from Ukraine is ever going to forgive Putin? Could They could just repair, right? They could just repair. When it's all said and done, the war's over, you could just basically swallow your ego, swallow your pride, say what is done is done and everything else, and and um, just say, like, let's just repair, let's rebuild, repair this relationship. But can you blame anyone if they don't really want to? And when you think about someone who's hurt you that you trust and love, you can just repair. You really can. As much as people think you can't, you can. You can just get over things. But deep down, many of us just don't want to do it. And and most things, not everything, most things can be undone. But it takes an insane amount of strength and fortitude that I think most of us just don't have. Me, myself, you know me, man. I'm fucking grudge central, bro. <laughs> 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 so so i just i just i thought this was an incredible set of uh lines that really really moved me because i didn't apply it to what he was talking to i just sort of applied it to my life and i was like whoa man you know there are some things that go down between interpersonal relationships and you know you can just write that bar and say can we just repair but it's fucking hard man really really hard and then my second split was on the line it being try but it seems to us that music is a symphony of lies. And what I wanted to say here, Alan, is, is Marlon calling himself out here? Is Marlon actually calling himself out here? Because when we did the episode uh, on Listen to My Album, we highlighted the bar, nothing reveals the truth more than a fucking lie and vice versa. Nothing reveals the truth more than a fucking lie and vice versa. So if music is a symphony of lies, through his music, is he really revealing his own truths? I don't know, man. But bars nonetheless. I mean, it kind of sounds like, right? He's just, he's being, 
kind of reflective about music and the power of it perhaps and what it can and what it can't do it makes me think of the the sage francis line he's talking about reading a prayer in church and he says it was self-serving just like this is in referring to the song that he's doing right now it's uh, it's self-reflective and it's it's really interesting line i kind of highlighted you on the section about you know humans did this and thinking about climate change obviously seems to be what he's talking about there and it's one of those problems maybe it's like the problem that it feels too big to fix like there's this paradox of collective action where as an individual you're pretty powerless and insignificant but as a group of individuals you have massive impact and that's such a hard thing to pass as as a human. Like we just don't think on that sort of scale. We're not wired to think that way, and and it's hard to take action on something when it feels like your action is insignificant. And and I also think there's a truth to the idea that we don't want to do it. I think a lot of people will choose convenience over everything. That's why companies can collect so much of your personal data because if their app is convenient, a lot of people will use it regardless of what the the user agreement says. You know. And and on top of that, we have a system that kind of incentivizes the wrong things. You know, sustainable food is really expensive, whereas like factory farmed meat is just super cheap. You know, if you're in a position where you might not even be able to pay your heating bill, of course you're going to buy the cheap one. I would buy the cheap one. Like the system incentivizes you to do that. And so on the one hand, you have, you're being given the message be more sustainable, use your money more thoughtfully, don't buy cheap produce that, that is bad for the environment. And on the other hand, you're you're being forced into a situation where you literally can't afford to do that. It's kind of impossible. So I think, you know, where you can make small changes, definitely do it. But at the same time, you just need a system that is incentivizes sustainable behavior. Fact. However you do that, it's not an easy thing to solve. But at the same time, what you just said there about applying it to other situations it does feel the same because there are so many things i know in my own life where i'm like i should do that but i don't want to whether it's like your own personal like development or any of the things and you can convince yourself that i don't need to do it right now it's it's a really relatable feeling when you're like i should do that don't want to (laughs) bars man i told you this guy's the truth and the fire man we called it well almost about half a year ago when we did the episode on listen to my album so we know, man. If you know, you know, isn't it? Who's next? <laughs> You're up. All I wanted was some cool grey 11s. Need that paint and leather for the weather change. Now I got them shits before they came out. But I look outside and the weather's rain. All I wanted was some cool grey 11s. Need that paint and leather for the weather change. Now I got them shits before they came out. But I look outside and the weather's rain. I think in life that we have goals and we also have things that we want. And nine times out of 10, these things and these goals tend to be either out of our own reach or need an extreme amount of work to obtain. And now Marlon's reached a particular level of famous success. I'm sure he wants to ascend more and, you know, there's a long way for him to go. But he's worried because I'd use the example of you called Grey 11s or your Jordans. Like you save all this money as a child for these Jordans because there's this party you want to go to and you want to impress this girl and you want to impress your friends too you want to put them on and everyone go whoa those those Jordans look sick bro all that sort of stuff whatever and so you stay disciplined you save all that money you miss out on other shit like you know you get a chance to go bowling with some people or 
this or that or whatever and you because you say look i need to save my money to make sure i get these jordans right and on the one day you want to wear them after buying those jordans it's raining like fuck outside bro it's raining like hell what do you do do you wear them and fuck them up with the hope that people will still hype you and be impressed but if you think about it, you know they're going to be ruined right they're just they're just going to be fucked after walking in the rain with them right or do you not wear them in fear that you might damage them and now all that effort feels worthless and like, no truer artist has put time and dedication to their craft no pun no pun intended than this guy he he seems to have like really worked on his on his his bars he's worked on his writing he's worked on his musicality he's worked hard all, all these artists do no no one gets comes up on a come up without putting a shitload of effort in it feels like he's on the cusp of bigger things but he's worried because he might lose himself in the magnitude that of all of that it presents for his future once you start getting loads of money once you start getting jordans before they even come out it's like do you lose yourself, your identity, who you were, that strength and that come up? Do you lose all of that? And I just think it's very perceptive of Marlon to be able to be aware of that and, you know, put that on his music. Now, only time will tell. And maybe one day he might be able to let us know live from the end of the world that, you know, it didn't affect him. And, you know, he he's, he's good. And I wish that he's good because I've met him in person now and I wish nothing but love and success for this dude, bro. Yeah, 100% man. It makes me think of the, the Kendrick line. At, at 27, my biggest fear was losing it all. At 27, my biggest fear was losing it all. Scared to spend money, had me sleeping from hard to hard. Facts, man. Like, you, you, you get the thing you finally wanted, but what if it what if it doesn't do what you thought it was going to do? Or what if you're too scared to even touch it now because you got it and you don't want to lose it? Yeah, absolute bars, man. Great track. Unbelievable track. Nothing but love to Marlon Craft. Nothing but love to all of Marlon Craft's fans. Nothing but love to all the BRL listeners out there. Nothing but love to you, Alan. One. Peace. All I wanted was some cool gray 11s. Need that padded leather for the weather change. Now I got them shits before they came out. But I look outside and the weather's rain. All I wanted was some cool gray 11s since I was seven. But once I get them, will they be too big to step in? I don't know, and I don't know, and I won't know. Rigged, I'm facing in some more. The place we give's the place we get to go. We chase the end, that day's eventual. Obtaining bliss begins with letting go. The patience and the hastiness of woe. We taking kids to graves for inches, bro. And all of this beginning in the middle of an ending got me sitting in the kitchen full of smoke. Whoa. Good news, people. There may be hope for our boy yet. See, sometimes the questions are the answers. Sometimes the answers are questions themselves. Sometimes it ain't what, it's just how. To our man, Mr. Kraft, fighting on, I guess all we can do is play you a song.